So we are in week two of our series, Woke. Woke, and the series is really about having context about our past, the birth of this nation, getting context. In fact, if you're looking for a subtitle for this message, it is Context. Everybody say Context. Fantastic. Well, um, many people in this room know that we've been on a journey with our family. Our granddaughter is undergoing chemotherapy, um, and she's doing really, really, really well. Um, She was diagnosed with lymphoma cancer, and she's about to turn four in March, but she's doing amazing up in Starship Hospital, and um, we have our grandson now living with us. He just turned five, and he's been fantastic. But, you know, our grandson, uh, it's really funny because in our house, you know, I already got like four kids at home, and so now I've got a grandson, and so our grandson loves his nana. Grandson loves his nana. So uh, our grandson sleeps with his, uh, with his nana on the bed. I sleep in the lounge on a mattress. Okay? So uh, he's, got the, he's got this big bed, this, this little five-year-old, this big bed to himself, and there's me in the lounge. Uh, it's all good. It's for season. For season. Okay. Let's all pray for quick healing and return of our grand. Um, and so when my, when my um, grandson was about two, um, I noticed that he had behavioral issues. You know, we all know the terrible twos. Anyone experienced terrible twos? Well, honestly, I was like, I was like to my, to my son, I was thinking, my son is soft. He needs to give him more discipline. Because, man, I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, none of our, none of you, our kids did what our, our two-year-old, nearly three-year-old grandson is doing. He just seems out of control. And this is, and this is how I viewed him. And I, and, I, and I was angry with my son. I said, look, discipline. Come on. That's what the Bible says, right? And teach them the way they should go. Come on. None of you were like this. Our grandson was then diagnosed with autism. And I felt very, very little after finding that out. Um, I felt very remorseful. And, and the reason, reason for it is because I viewed my grandson and my son within the context of what I knew. And in the context of what I knew, um, as I knew like how to bring up kids and how kids should be, how a two-year-old should look like, how a two-year-old should think, how, um, how a father should father his children. This was based upon my own context. But I didn't understand the context of my grandson. And because I didn't understand the context of my grandson, I went um, to a place that wasn't right. Because context is everything. And when I understood the context, I tell you what, I see my grandson in a new light. Um, he is on the very high spectrum, very high, and I love him to bits. There's nothing wrong with him. He is perfect in every way because I understand his context. And it takes time for, uh, it has taken time for us to learn his worldview. He has a different worldview to me. He sees things differently. It doesn't mean that what he sees is wrong because we all have our own worldviews. And it's so easy for us to put our context onto a certain area and we judge this area. But when we get context, then we begin to understand one another. That's why there's so many issues within marriages, within relationships, because we have our own point of view. And because we take our own point of view and we think our point of view is right, after all, it is our own point of view because we don't have 
context. And we take things out of context. But if we take the time to slow down and listen and understand each other's context, understand where they are coming from, and I believe marriages that are, that are being through issues, um, relationships, some of our greatest regrets could have been avoided if we took the time to listen to one another, find out where, where they are coming from, because empathy is a great way to lead to context. Empathy, learning to understand where, where uh, learning to understand where somebody is coming from, having a look from their point of view is very important. Very important to understand context because context is everything. And let me tell you about my grandson. He is perfect in every way because I understand his context. You know the Bible tells us in Revelations, Revelations chapter twelve verse eleven. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Right? And this is it's talking of the devil, the enemy. How do we overcome the enemy? By, by the power of Jesus on the cross and by the words of our testimony. You will never have a testimony unless you bring through a testing. There is no testimony without a test. Without a test. And how do we overcome the enemy? It's with the words of our testimony. You know, many times the enemy will try to deceive you, right? Tell you, what, what kind of Christian are you? Look at your past. Remember you used to do this and you call yourself a Christian? And, and it's like holding snapshots of your past. Look at you. This, was, this is you. This is who you are. This is your background. This is where you come from. Who do you think you are? You don't deserve to be in those places. You don't deserve to, uh, to walk with those people. Look at who you are. And the enemy will hold up your past to try to make you feel small, try to give you a different context that is wrong. But, the, but my Bible tells me, my Bible tells me that our testimony is to tell the devil that he's defeated. Yes, that is my past, but Jesus has given me the power to overcome. That's where I was. This is where I'm coming. I'm no longer that person. I'm no longer slave to sin. For Jesus has set me free. There is no testimony without a test. And some of you are going through a test right now. Come on. How do you overcome the enemy? By the blood of the Lamb and the words of your testimony. When we forget our testimony, we lose all power. Let me tell you something. The church in this nation has an amazing testimony. But when we forget where we come from, where this church came from in this nation, we begin to put a blanket over our past, then we lose the power of the testimony of the church within this nation. Context is everything. Is everything. Context is everything. You know, this, this, this whole series is not making people feel guilty about anything. It's not about putting the blame on certain people. It's not about that. It's about understanding context. Because when the church remembers its past, we, we remember of the hardship that this nation was birthed out of. And so we just put a blanket on because it's just so difficult to deal with, and we move on. But context is about understanding our past so that we're remorseful of our past, but it gives me context of where we are today. Because think about it. When I was growing up in the early 90s as a teenager, in the early 90s, oh. Back in the, you remember those days, MC Hammer, can't, can't touch this? Uh, we, we grew up in Mangere, we had a different title for that song, it was called King Justice. 
King Justice. You heard of the song, King Justice? You go, dun, 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 King Justice. Anyway. <laughs> South Auckland. You got to understand the context. Context is everything. South Auckland joke. Okay. Context is everything. We overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, the words of our testimony. Okay, let's go. We're back on there. Uh, now, what was I even talking about? Okay, when I was growing up in the early 90s, honestly, uh, we, uh, what I loved about Waitangi Day is it was a day off from school. Anybody enjoy that? I enjoyed that. It was cool. And, and I'll come home, flick on the TV, and I'll go, oh, look, they're, they're having this. The activists are at it again. You're like, you know, and I was thinking, man, surely, surely we can work this out by now. And then there was the Māori party and goes, why do we need a Māori party? What was the issue? I didn't have context. Because I didn't understand our past. Because I viewed everything within my own context and what I knew. Because when we don't have context, we don't understand. And we bring judgments upon different groups and different people. Because we don't understand context. Context is everything. Context is everything. When we take the Bible out of context, we lose the Spirit of God, because we've taken out of context, because context is everything. You know, the Apostle Paul, he writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20, he says this, when I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow Jewish law, I lived under the law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. Why? Because Apostle Paul understood context. To understand context, to reach people within their own context. Because the Jewish world and the Gentile world were very different. What's a Gentile? Basically, anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. That's how the Jewish people, like, like you know, are you from Rome? Yeah, he's Roman. Oh, you're a Gentile. You know, they don't have to say where you're from. If you're not Jew, you're Gentile. But their views were very, very different. And so the possible understood to reach people groups, we've got to understand context. So when the gospel message was first preached in New Zealand on Christmas Day in 1814, Samuel Marsden arrived and he, he, he came from New South Wales and he came to preach this message. He came to sow the seeds of the gospel and he, and he planted the, the church mission society here within New Zealand for mandate. And his mandate was this, was to um, make converts. But you know what? For the next 10 years, they had no converts. It didn't work. And the reason why it didn't work is because what Sammy Marsden said, look, we've got to teach them the way of the European. Teach them our ways. We need to civilize. We need to civilize the people of Aotearoa. We need to civilize the Maori. Teach them the way of the European way. And, and basically, he was just a man of his times. Like, and then they'll be ready to receive the gospel. Okay. That's, but it didn't work. And the reason why it didn't work is because Samuel Marsden, he thought if we bring the European context and let's put it over, to, over the Maori context, but it didn't work. Not until 1823 when Henry Williams arrived. Henry Williams took the gospel message seriously. He turned it on its head. He said, said to the missionaries, okay, we're not here to teach them trade. Like, Pastor Willie said in Ngaroa here last Sunday night, if you read his message, you know, we're not here to teach them how to make a boat. They know how to make boats. They conquered the, the greatest mass on the planet called the Pacific Ocean. 
We don't need to show them how to make a boat. Did you know the Pacific, this is just a side thing. Did you know the Pacific Ocean is the only place in the world where you, if you were to drill a hole in the, somewhere in the Pacific Ocean right through the planet and you came out on the other side, you're still in the Pacific Ocean. That's how big the Pacific Ocean is. It is vast. And so Henry Williams is like, you don't need to teach them how to make boats. They know how to make boats. Okay, we're not here to bring our mindset. This is, what he, this, is, this is what he commissioned the missionaries to do. This is what I want you to do. I want you to learn their language. I want you to learn their culture. I want you to understand their context. And when they began to understand their context, a revival began to spread through this nation. In fact, by 1836, New Zealand was the most successful mission field in the entire world. We were leading the way. Why? Because of context. Because these missions, Henry Williams had the foresight to know that context is everything. When I was with the Māori, I lived with the Māori. I lived like the Māori so I can lead the Māori to Christ. He understood context. And Māori got, uh, and, and the gospel message was translated in their own language. And Māori will take this gospel message and begin to spread it throughout the nation within their own context, within their own language. And, and, it, and it spread like wildfire throughout this nation because context is everything. Just like understanding my grandson. Context was everything. Context was very important for our relationship. Context was very important for my, for my son's relationship. If I continue to put my own context on my grandson and upon my son, it would have strained our relationship because I was out of context. How many relationships have been strained because we've gone out of context, because we hadn't taken time to get to know one another, to sit down, to slow down and learn one another's ways, to begin to understand where they are coming from. Context is everything. Verse 21. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law, so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. See, in every single culture in the entire world, including the Western culture, there is good and bad in every single culture, including the Western culture, including the Kiwi culture. You know, many times we think, oh, you know, I'm a Kiwi. I don't really have a culture. You have a culture. So You go to Australia, you see your culture is very different. It's just that we're so, we're so surrounded, but we don't recognize the culture we have. We've got a distinct Kiwi culture that is different to America, that's different to the UK, and that's way different to Australia. Man, those guys are crazy. Okay. Any Australians here? I just want to say I love you guys. I, I love holidaying in Australia. The only issue is there's too many Australians. Just kidding, I love Australians. Just as part of the Kiwi, just the Kiwi culture thing. Context is everything. Okay. <laughs> There is good and bad. We need to recognize the bad in every culture, including our own. And then, we, and then we'll deal with it, and we celebrate the good, the good that is in culture. And if we don't do that, then we say, well, your culture is okay. It's just that our way is better. This is what integration looked like in the 1800s. What integrate, this is what integration did to this country in the 1800s. The same, it's, it's, it's very similar to how a cat integrates a mouse. 
how a cat integrates a mouse. The majority swallows the minority. The majority swallows and integrates. It swallows its language, it swallows its voice, and it swallows its land. This is what happened in the 1800s. The Treaty of Waitangi was supposed to protect Māori from this, but it didn't. So whose fault is it? Whose fault is it? Because there's always someone to blame, right? Well, according to Ruth Ross, Ruth Ross, a historian who presented a paper about the Treaty of Waitangi back in 1972. According to Ruth Ross in 1972, her conclusion was the person to blame for all this tragedy around the Treaty of Waitangi is Henry Williams. Henry Williams, as well as the church. She believed that Henry Williams intentionally mistranslated the treaty, intentionally mistranslated the treaty, purposely deceiving Māori to sign away their mana. One person's opinion has shaped the belief of both Māori and Pākehā for the past 40 odd years. One person's opinion. Because only, one person decided to, un, to, to research the past. One person. And we took a word as, well, that's, that's it. That's gospel. This is what happened. It was Henry Williams. It was the church to blame. And Māori began to leave the church in their droves. And the church, hearing this, not knowing their past, not knowing the context, put a blanket over it. Let's not talk about it. Let's not mention it. Let's just focus on, on what, we, what we do. When the church had a mandate in this country, mm, yeah. when God had given the church a mandate in this country, the church put a blanket on it because we don't want to hear this. This is why context is very important. Don't let your context be swayed or perverted by someone else or what society tells you what it is. We need to learn this for ourselves. We need to understand what really happened. Because if we don't, we'll believe, we'll believe uh, these words of Ruth Ross. It's not Ruth Ross's fault. It was just her opinion. It's not her fault everybody else believed it. it all comes, if you believe it, it comes down to us. It's our fault. Because we didn't take the time to listen. We didn't take time to learn about our past. And so, we put, so then we put the blame game. Oh, Ruth Ross is to blame. She's not to blame. Just like my, my son's not to blame or my grandson's to blame. We need to understand about each other's context, where we came from. Henry Williams loved the Maori people. When we begin to learn the right context, when we begin to learn history for ourselves, we begin to see that he cared greatly about the well-being of Maori. And if he had suspected that the crown would not honor the chief's request for protection, he never would have endorsed the treaty. He never would. He didn't know that the Christian government at his time will be, will be replaced by a secular, cynical government who would go on and dishonor the treaty. He didn't know that. But because he put his name to the paper, he got the blame. He got the blame. In 1867... Intertribal war broke out again 
between sub-tribes within Ngāpui, up in the north. Not far from where Henry Williams was living. Henry Williams was deeply depressed at this stage, deeply depressed at the downfall of the Māori, and he fell ill. He was heartbroken. Henry Williams' last days, he was a broken man. Of all the work that they had done, understanding context, his love for the Māori people was being destroyed, and he was heartbroken. The doctor could not find any physical cause, but it was clear he was exhausted. He was broken. He persuaded his sons to continue their peacekeeping efforts, and on 16th of July, 1867, Henry Williams died a broken man. And on the same day that he died, this battle was about to go on between these subtribes, not far from where he, had, he was living and now where he's died. On the same day, these tribes were getting ready for battle. They say that the, the army that, that they amassed such an army, it will, they hadn't seen an army like that since the time of Honeheke and Honeheke's war. And as, they, as these opposing tribes were ready to go to battle, the atmosphere began to change. As whispers began to go through the war parties both sides, Te Wurumu is dead. Te Wurumu is dead. Te Wurumu is dead. You know what the amazing thing? Do you know what happened next? The love that the Maori people had for Henry Williams. On hearing of his death, both war parties came together to mourn. They came to fight. Now they came together to mourn. They read from the New Testament, concluding... And thinking of Henry Williams, blessed are the peacekeepers, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. And a haka and every show of defiance by both parties were done, because they're still Maori. They read from the New Testament again, and then both war parties knelt on the battlefield and prayed for blessing of peace. Henry Williams, the strong-minded but compassionate formal naval officer, had been the first European to set foot in many tribal lands in the north and the first missionary to greet many of its great chiefs. Henry Williams had a great love for the Māori people, and at his death, it was the love of the Māori people for Henry Williams that brought peace between two tribes. Don't allow society... To form your opinion. Context is everything. Young Māori have been leaving the church for many years, not knowing why their tūpuna had received Christ with passion. Because they don't know context. This is why work service is very important for every single one of us. That calls New Zealand home because context is everything. Verse 22 When I am with those who are weak, I share their weaknesses, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. 
So what does it mean for us? What does it mean for you? We all have our own biases based upon our own experiences. The next time you find yourself in a heated discussion with someone, try to put yourselves in their shoes. Try and understand where they are coming from. The reason why you are frustrated with someone is because your perception is different to theirs. After all, it is your perception. See, if I drew the number six on the floor right here, I drew number six, what number do you see? You see a nine. Who's right? I see a six. You see a nine. Context is everything. My grandson has a different worldview to me. Who's right? Is it a six or a nine? Māori have a different worldview to Westerners. Who's right? Is it a six or a nine? Context is everything. It's everything. Through these doors, we're going to get different people coming into this, this church. Different people, different cultures, different perspectives. Will we take the time to see where they're coming from? Let us be slow to judge, but quick to love. Let us not push away, but embrace. When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I lived under the law, even though I'm not subject to the law. I did this so I could bring to Christ who are under the law. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I live apart from the law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are weak, I share in their weaknesses. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Context is everything. Is everything. You know, if you're in this room, you may have a different context about God. The God is this, this, this entity that's so far away that doesn't care about me. And you know what's crazy? This context you have about God, you may have got this context from other Christians because of the way they've treated you. Because they try to enforce their context upon your context. But let me tell you about the context of God. There's nothing you can do to make God love you. You know why? Because He already does. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing can. Not your sin, not what you've done. Your greatest regrets cannot separate you from the love of God. If you could, you can hit the reset button and do it all different, but you can't. But let me tell you something. I know someone who can. His name is Jesus. That God would step into his creation and bind himself of humanity. And on the cross, he will go into those places of your greatest regrets, your greatest mistakes, 
And He will die for your sins so that you can have a right relationship with God. If you're ready to leave your life of sin, you've tried but you failed. And the reason why you failed, because I've done this many times, is I've did it in my own strength until I met Jesus. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He simply said, follow me. You know why? Because he knows the way out of your mess. And when you begin to follow Jesus, when you begin to follow Jesus, he will lead you out and begin to lead you to your destiny. Context is everything. God loves you. 